0: I got the horse right here, the name is Paul Revere, and here's a guy that says if the web is clear, can-do, can-do.
1: This is Bill Duncliffe, host of the Can-Do Horse Racing Podcast, where the heroes and history of horse racing come alive, welcoming you back, but coming to you with a much earlier than anticipated opening to our Season 9. I think once you listen to this two-part episode, you will understand why, particularly from a timing standpoint, I was eager to publish this season's opener ahead of our normal fall season. Long-time listeners of our Can-Do podcast, and thank you for being so, know that our focus here has always been on lesser-known stories of our sport of horse racing, backstories that illuminate or fascinate, aspects of our sport that, for whatever reason, lay somewhat recessed in the shadows. In our sport of horse racing, we find many such stories hidden in those shadows, and in our current day we have people who, in our less thoughtful moments, we may tend to assign to those shadows. Those people and their stories, their lives, are the focus of our guest in this first of two podcasts that celebrates the opening of the 2022 summer racing season in Saratoga. Our guest, Paul Ruchames, is the Executive Director of the Backstretch Employees Service Team, a nonprofit dedicated, as you will hear, to meeting the health and social welfare needs of the thousands of individuals without whom, let's face it, the sport of horse racing would basically cease to exist. I hope that in the spirit of celebrating the renewal of this annual Upstate New York Festival, you will find it in your hearts as well to not only celebrate but support the work of this organization appropriately pinned with the acronym BEST.
2: Well, you know the the Backstretch Employee Service Team. Its history actually goes back. I was fascinated to discover to 1989 at a gentleman uh, named Rudy Rios. This seems to happen a lot in history. One person gets an idea and things happen and things take off from there. And in, and in this case, I think for Backstretch Employee Service Team or Best, um, Ru- Rudy Rios is probably the best place to start. Right.
0: Yes, absolutely. Rudy, in in 1989, he he was at that time an exercise rider. Uh, He's now 82 years old. Uh, At that time, he was an exercise rider, and he was someone, and he is very public about this, uh, that was in recovery from alcoholism. Um, And part of his recovery process meant being involved in Alcoholics Anonymous, or AA, and uh, so he started to, one of the things in AA they do is they call it the 12th step. You know, they have the famous 12 steps of recovery. And sure. the 12th step is where you are encouraged to find others who are suffering too and, and help them. So he basically started doing what they call 12-step work on the backstretch at Belmont, Uh finding alcoholics, people who are just, you know, really um beyond despair, Um and helping them out if they would accept it, taking them to hospitals, to detoxes, uh, et cetera. And then that grew into, uh, through, and I wasn't with Best at that time, but mm-hmm. to a collaboration with, um, uh, uh, an owner, uh, at the racetrack and some others through that person, uh, to a small grant, uh, to be able to start Officially a non-profit and the best program. And so it began in, um, a small converted house, which we're still in a little bigger now, but, and, um, and it began as really a way to treat alcoholics who were on the racetrack, which, and really it, it was an epidemic, um, at mm. the racetrack and, and mm. still is to some extent and in society as a whole. And in that way, it's not that much different. But, uh, of course, it's, in a way, in many ways, much more dangerous when you're working with, you know, 1,200-pound animals Dear God, that yes. yeah. are designed or bred to be pretty explosive and so on. So, you know, you need all five senses not only working but working optimally. And one thing alcohol does is uh definitely dulls all the senses. So <clears throat> there was a lot of danger, and and through Rudy's work – um it developed into a, you know, a really good small program dealing with alcoholics. And then we grew from there. I came in 19, uh, in, um, 2010 to BEST. And one of the things I did was try to expand its reach. So now we're doing, uh, a whole gamut of services for the Baxter workers, keeping the original purpose, which was alcohol and drug abuse. So, uh, now we became licensed by the New York State Office of Alcoholism and Substance Supports um, and um, do individual and group counseling and refer out when people need more services. Uh, we also uh, developed a primary care clinic, which right now in a wonderful way is being run by, uh, uh, in cooperation with Northwell Health, which is really in many ways the premier provider of health care in, in this region. Um, mm-hmm. in the New York metropolitan area and beyond. And I think in the future they'll be growing even more. Um, so we provide primary health care through them. Um, and we also have a number of other services. We help people with to get uh, enrolled in health insurance uh, because when I came there, most people were not. Um, mm-hmm. So we enroll them on the New York State Health Exchange or commonly known as Obamacare. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, we give subsidies through the contributions that we get. So we're able to subsidize each person $100 on their premium, $100 per month, per person, per premium. Uh And that really makes a difference, because the Obamacare program is still out of reach for many people who are making low incomes. And that $100 often makes the difference between accepting it and not. Um, and then once you have health insurance, what it does, because a big part of our mission is encouraging people to just take better care of themselves, which means preventive care. And um so now there's, you know, no reason not to go to your prim- to, to have a primary care doctor and to go to that person and get other medical services that you need, testing, lab work, etc. Mm-hmm. Um and then we um have other services, uh in addition to alcohol and drug, we have Mental health counseling um, and I think that's really uh very important and often missed. The people who work on the back stretch for the most part are immigrants are uh, mm-hmm. living apart from their homelands they're living apart from their families, uh not all but you know many or mm-hmm. i would say the majority and and in many senses they kind of are in this limbo where they they really don't have a sense of being a part of either America or of where they were from, because it might've been years since they were back there or back there only minimally. And, you know, a central part of every human's identity in modern times anyway, is, um, the nationality that you're from. And when that starts to weaken, I think that has a psychological impact, uh, not a good one on people. So, um, mental health counseling and also just being apart from your family, uh, Apart from any psychological or psychiatric diagnosis, I think mo- many of the workers are just lonely and suffer from that. And, and that's not unusual for many Americans nowadays, too. There's been a lot of mm. studies that have, you know, have detailed that. Uh, but I think it's a little more acute for the backstretch workers. Um, so mental health counseling is, is really important. Um, then we have specialized groups for women. Um, we did have a group for lgBT workers um, we've uh, recently started an ergonomics group groups rather uh through Northwell, getting a physical mm-hmm. therapist ergonomics is the sort of the science of how you lift things, how you move things, how you right. you know rake, and so on did um because many of the workers we did a a survey. Uh, before we started this, and every person we met with, there was about 20 of them, and it was just mm-hmm. randomly, everyone talked about chronic pain, usually in their shoulders, uh, oh, also sorry. the knees. And this was regardless of the age, regardless of the gender or, you know, what type of work they did, um, groom, hot walker, exercise rider, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So we're doing this as a way to to help teach people about their bodies, how to prepare before they go to work. The same thing they would do for the horse in their care, really, yeah. uh, how to, you know, cool down after. Um, and it's a way to avoid, to hopefully cut into the desire and the need to use pain killing drugs or alcohol. Cause I think a lot of what fuels the alcohol abuse when it is there on the back, such is, is chronic pain. Um, And alcohol or drugs, they do work, at least in the immediate, but, of Mm -hmm. course, cause you tremendous problems after. So that's a a promising thing. We've just begun it. We also provide other supports. Uh, We have a legal clinic, um, which we work in collaboration with a group that's pretty major in in the metro area um, called Latino Justice. And um, they represent, uh, they don't represent people in court, but they do give legal advice for free. And really everything we do is, is free through the donations we get. Um, on issues like immigration concerns, child, family custody, uh, those are probably the major things. Um, so that's going on regularly, as is a um, citizenship preparation program. Uh, it took a little break because of the pandemic, but uh, we hope to get it up and going again where we prepare people to take, people who are eligible, of course, to take the citizenship exam and help them getting back and forth because some some of it they have to be physically present. Yeah. And uh, in the past, we've gotten dozens of people to become American citizens. And for me, there's almost nothing more gratifying than seeing that happen. Um because there's a lot that goes into becoming a citizen. Um I mean these people are probably more knowledgeable about American history than most <laughs> Americans. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so yep. Yep. and usually it means you really have to learn English well, so it's a it's a great thing. Um we also have an English as a second language program uh to teach people English. Um and then um uh, another recent thing we've started with, uh, Northwell or restarted as a sort of a mini farm, uh, which we're doing in the back stretch behind Todd Pletcher's barn at Belmont. Okay. Um, okay. and we hope to expand that and, uh, possibly at some point give it over to the workers as kind of a side business. Um, so, you know, and it, and in the process teaches them about healthy eating, healthy food, um, because a lot of times, uh, what's available is fast food, which, um, only exacerbates some of the problems they have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and then we have other ongoing prog- mm-hmm. programs around helping with food, clothing when needed, transportation assistance, translation, uh, assistance, and, uh, when they need it, help with getting disability or workers comp services. That's a, mm-hmm quick overview of what we do, and I think we've had a real major impact. We, we provide uh, services to well over 1,000 people every year.
1: It's incredible the difference one person can make. With the spark ignited by Rudy Rios' passion to make a difference in the lives of others that Alcoholics Anonymous had made for him, an entire universe of critical support services has grown. The variety, reach, and scope of which provides a thought provoking window into the lives of those important people who make our sport run every day. But it's important to recognize that the difficulties of social work can't be underestimated. Despite those difficulties, though, the victories won, as Paul describes, buoy the spirit in incredibly gratifying ways. Come on, people, you on your brother, everybody gets together.
2: You know, Paul, um, rightly so. You've touched on a lot of the great stories that, uh, you know, great programs you've been able to support, great things that you've done. And and I don't want to get you concerned about where I'm going with this. Where I'm going with this is that um, my son uh, was in social work for a long time. Um, Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I learned, because I'm not a social worker, uh, but one of the things I learned in talking to him was that – I mean, social work is, is hard, and what's what's I think most hard about it and what, what I think was very discouraging to him is that it never stops and that in some cases, no matter what you do, you're not able to be successful um, or you see the same stories over and over again. So that's, that's going to be hard to deal with.
0: Yes, that is, and I, I am a social worker for many years, mm-hmm. so um, definitely – can identify with what your son experienced. Um, but it's countered by uh, speaking in the backstretch context. Um, there's still lots of really great successes that we see. Um, mm-hmm. But it's true that we're, uh, some of the problems people bring in are much bigger than, you know, what we can really deal with with a small program. Um, people, for example, may have been victims of abuse in their home country. Uh, and they bring that history and that trauma with them. And yeah. that doesn't, that's not trauma in general, uh, isn't something that could be resolved in a few sessions or, you know, it's, unfortunately it becomes part of your human condition and could take years and years, but to, to uh, maybe not resolve, but to get better. But you can, the person can get more functional, more happy. Uh We've seen a lot of people get sober, which is, an amazing story when you see the before, you know, what they were like when they were drinking alcoholically or using drugs in a addictive way. Um and to see them now sober and 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 responsible people with their families and also with their jobs. Um mm-hmm. taking care of the animals, um, the horses. Um it's an amazing thing. And that for me fuels me to see those successes. Yeah. But yeah, we're dealing with huge problems though. There's no question. Yep. And yeah. It's go beyond the track and it's not just on the track, it's in, you know, all of society. You know, Paul,
2: the, the, the scope of what you folks uh, deal with and help people with is is staggering as you describe it. And and I will say this, I and I include myself in this category. Those uh, many of us who are um fans of the sport, we see everything that happens on the front side, you know, if you will, and that's really where our focus is. And I think that most people who go to the track are knowledgeable that these or, or have some awareness that these issues exist on the back side. But candidly, I think there's a reluctance to acknowledge that they exist because, you know, as you kind of talk about the scope of what's being dealt with, it it, it it's uh. It's painful to hear, you know, um, and 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 you know, we that love the sport on the front side don't necessarily, I think, want to hear about that on the back side, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I think that's a normal human reaction. Uh, you know, when I go to a restaurant, I don't like to think about what might be going on in the kitchen to produce this wonderful right. food I'm eating. Right. Um, right. So it's kind of like a cognitive dissonance where, you, you know, two different things that oppose each other, um, and we tend to rule out the, the unpleasant part.
1: Understandably enough, as Paul describes, it's a somewhat natural human emotion not to peek too far behind the curtain of what we find to be a particularly enjoyable outing. Or as the old saying goes, no one wants to see the sausage getting made. But think back to the Alcoholics Anonymous 12-step program discussed earlier. Step four mandates making a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Many times in this podcast, we've spoken about thoroughbred aftercare programs and their importance. If we were to undertake a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves and our role in this sport, then I think it becomes plainly obvious that the type of human care Paul describes is an endeavor that demands much more attention and support from we the fans. It's entirely in our, if you will, best interests, as betters, and as human beings. I think when we
2: are able to step back and acknowledge it, the thing that we have to think about, um, you know, whether, you know, like you've got you kind of grooms, exercise riders, hot walkers, Racing, I always tell people, I, I think a lot of people don't realize what a labor-intensive sport it is, but also what, mm-hmm. how intense the labor is, right? Um, uh, you know, these people on the back stretch, they are up early. Um, mm-hmm. It is physically demanding work. And quite frankly, they're not high-paying jobs either, right?
0: Right. Right. Yes, I think all that is true. They're waking up. Well, Often at three or four in the morning. And it could be on a cold February morning when it's two degrees out and, you know, they're splash, getting water splashed on themselves as they're bathing the horse or, and, um, yeah, it's very, it's difficult work, but it's work they, for the most part, really love. Um, and, and that's one real positive. They're doing, many come from agricultural backgrounds, um, farms. Uh, so working with animals and, and Belmont and all the tracks, you know, back stretches are like farm environments. You have chickens and goats running around and lots yeah. of cats. And, and it's, um, so a lot of that for the workers is, is pleasing and, and helpful. Uh, and they're doing something they love and develop an attachment to the horses too. That in some ways it's not unlike having, well, it's different than having a pet, but, you know, the, the connection you make is uh, deeper, and most people in their work lives don't get that kind of connection. And horses, I think, are pretty empathic animals. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and in fact, they're used now for therapy with um, a lot of veterans and yep, or right. sick children. Yep. Uh, it's a growing field, actually, and and so... You know, there's that real benefit too to what they're doing, and it's the jobs are low-paying for the most part. But compared to what pay they could be getting in Guatemala or wherever they're from, you know, it's, it's great, and it it gives them the opportunity if they can stay free of drugs and alcohol and gambling. Uh, or problematic gambling and problematic use of drugs and alcohol, uh, they can save a lot of money that can be then transferred to their, to where they're from, or that can help support their families.
2: Yeah, you know, you mentioned something that, um, you know, uh, so in my own family background, I know my, grandmother her husband uh they they lived in nova scotia and he came to the u.s three years i think it was ahead of uh, my grandmother and the rest of his family worked as a train conductor on the b&m railroad here in the boston area and when he had saved up enough money um sent for his family um tragically he died a couple of months after they, they came but that, that's a, that's an aside I, I think that those of us um with a European immigration background, let's say, uh, you know, are familiar with those stories of people coming to this country, working, saving money, sending it back home. Um, it just struck me when you mentioned that about that being, uh, you know, uh, a factor on the on the backside too. And quite frankly, to my shame, it's not something I had really thought about before. But it sounds like it's true for a lot of the folks that are working here.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. I think it describes it well yes, wow. so in a wow. sense that they're denying themselves certain luxuries or pleasures so that others in the family can you know live a better life uh which is <clears throat> a pretty noble kind of thing
2: it is It sure it surely
0: is it surely is wow.
1: In ancient times, nobility was conferred by birthright or by title. True nobility, as you have heard, comes in all shapes and sizes. We'll be back tomorrow with more of our discussion with Paul Ruchames, Executive Director of the Backstretch Employees Service Team in Part 2. Thank you for listening. In the meantime, may good health and happiness for you and your loved ones be yours, today and always.
0: Sometimes. I got the horse!